Listeners, welcome back. It's time for Maya, my yoga audio. And I'm your host, Megan Morgan. And I know I say this pretty much every time because it's true, but I'm so delighted with our guest of honor today, Roshan Davis. Before we get into the details on Roshan and our interview, I want to let you know that at the end of this episode, we're playing a new musical single for musician Giovanni Murat called Keep It Coming. It feels really apt for our guest today, too, so stick around till the end and don't miss it. Now, for Rashawn Davis, many of you might actually already know him, especially if you're local to the Sacramento community. His work with Unseen Heroes and local events is some of the stuff dreams are made of. The Unseen Heroes bio on Facebook explains that their story is simple. We create unforgettable experiences through interactive events that encourage you to explore all that our city has to offer. On Instagram, he's the mind and the matter behind the highly popular account, The Spiritual Homie, where he shares real-life lessons and thoughtful and discussion-provoking prompts and inspirations in real talk style. In real life, he's just been named one of Sacramento's top 100 business leaders for 2021. Amazing. I first heard about and met Roshan a couple of years ago through two events that happened around a similar time frame. The first was at Creative Mornings, where he was a featured speaker, and his presentation mostly focused on the events that he and his team at Unseen Heroes were curating around the Oak Park and Midtown Farmers Markets. The second time I heard about Roshan was through live group meditation events that he was helping to lead downtown at Doko and other metro locations around town. So I've been trying to keep up with him and the work that he and his team have been doing ever since. Roshan, welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was an amazing introduction. I feel like I just <laughs> want to put you in my pocket and then, you know, pop you out anytime I need an introduction. That was Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, a mini elevator <laughs> speech. You can keep on audio. You can play the intro from this episode. So you have so many exciting things going on right now, and we can see one another. So I can see the, the background and that you're in the shop. So we're going to get to that. So I want to ask you about both previous and current success stories and projects. But first, I really want our listeners to hear from you about who you are, what your mission is, what are your personal and business mantras, and the ways that you live in and embrace flow. Mm, that's a deep one right there, you know. And the other day I, I broke it down. It sounds like I was compartmentalizing these different aspects of me. But I think for me, if I'm honest and 100% authentic in myself, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, right? And I think that's kind of where it starts at. And, and then from there, you know, we have these hats that we continue to put on ourselves and develop and grow and nurture. And I think then comes after that, I'm a man. After that, I'm a black man. After that, I'm a father. After that, I'm a husband. After that, I'm an entrepreneur. After that, I'm a 
community developer. After that, I'm a leader. So there's all these different pieces of me that kind of flow through me and out to other people. And with that, you know, I always go back to this flow, right? And allowing things to flow through me and not be held on to or bound by them. And just, you know, I always imagine myself as like this river flowing. There might be parts of me that are flowing nice and easy and breezy. And then there might be times when I'm flowing and it's like rough rocks and tough to get through. There might be other situations where it's freezing and it's just frozen and can't move on that piece right now. And so it's always this idea of like flow for me. But I think for me, that's kind of where it starts at. I love the analogy of how being in flow can sometimes mean being a little bit stuck, right? And then other times it's a rushing river and everything in between. I think a lot of us assume flow always means you're in the groove and there's always the connection. I think you can be, but, you know, kind of as you exampled with that to greater or lesser degrees. And I wanted to ask you about, now you've been named one of the top 100 business leaders in our region for 2021. And I also know you've been through the ringer over a particular business and community partnership over this past year. And I wonder if you would speak a little bit about that, how you got through a difficult situation with such grace and how it primed you and your company for what you've got going on now, namely the Build Black app and the Made with Melanin clothing line, which I can't wait to get my hands on. I think with the pandemic, we all had to stop. And I won't say we all had to stop because, you know, there's parts of the world that continue to go on. There's parts of the world that I just was talking to my brother-in-law the other day and he works at TSA. So he's not in the Zoom world, which is interesting. He has only gotten on Zoom like once and I was just like, what? Interesting. Got it. So with the pandemic and I think for me internally, I was just going through changes and I'm learning more and more about myself. It's like, I'm very intuitive when it comes down to it. And so I could feel a shift coming. And I say that shift coming, I didn't know it was going to be that big of a shift as far as the world. I just was intuitive to me and intuitive to me. But that relationship with the Midtown Business Association, with the Midtown Farmers Market, I felt it shifting. Before even the pandemic happened, I felt the shift of it. And it was because our team was growing in the space of being in complete control of the concepts that we produce. And that was the vision that I held for ourselves as a company. And the contract that we signed with the Midtown Farmers Market was seven years old, right? And it was truly the last contract that we had where a client had pretty much dominion over what we did. And so I knew that had to change. So mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I knew that was coming at some point from like 2019, or actually 2018 is like, I felt like, okay, we're moving in a whole different direction. And this is going to be one of those things that we have to eventually let go of. Now, did I know it was going to be during the middle of a pandemic, (laughs) during the middle of a civil rights movement? It was going to spark protests on our behalf at the market, media 
frenzy. And no, I didn't know that that was going to happen, but I knew that it had to come to an end in that iteration. And that's what the pandemic allowed for. It just allowed for that space for them to show. To me, I think it's just the true colors of business. And that's the business that we're not in. When you can just work with a community partner for seven years and then say, hey, it's just business. We're going to cut you out of your contract and take 100% of the profit now because we need it. See you later. That, to me, isn't how you do business. And I don't want to be in business with people who are in that type of business. You know, To me, it's more of a partnership. It's more of a collaboration. And that just wasn't the case there towards the end. And so I don't look at it as something that is tumultuous or it's like, you know, that had its season. And now we're past that. We've learned some hard lessons from there about building things for others and then having them taken away from you. And so now let's never get into that situation ever again and learn those lessons and move forward. And so that's what we did, you know, we moved forward and we created a new market with branding that we wanted to create, you know, and put the focus on not just an association, we put the focus on the farmers and the makers. And so we started Neighborhood Market. And from there, we highlighted all of the farmers and all of the makers through the ads that we did. And we launched that in Elk Grove in September. So within 30 days, our team created this whole marketing campaign and all of these visuals and the inside infrastructure that we had been doing for the last seven, eight years and just implemented it in a way that we wanted to. And as soon as we launched that in Elk Grove, it was like 2019 in Midtown at the Elk Grove market. And so it was like, got it. Like this is free of any constraints or any requests from any clients. So we had full creative control. And now with that brand in particular in the market, we now have the ability to take it to different areas. So we're talking to different areas in Sacramento where we can launch this farmer's market and be more inclusive, whereas we couldn't do that with that midtown market because they only wanted it. So to me, I don't look at it as a bad thing. It's just fully stepping into our power as an agency and fully stepping into our power as creatives to not necessarily rely on the decision-making of other people and take that full control for ourselves. Exactly. It seems like it's kind of worked out better (laughs) for you in the end. Right now you're in a space. Yeah. And I love the connection to the earth and to the people who are creating the food that we eat. Like it's not just marketing. I work in marketing during my day job as well. And it's not just about creating spin for the sake of spin and hyping something up that's nothing. This is really about the food we eat, the people who are growing it and loving it and taking care of it. And I believe in that, in that, that all makes a difference that the quality of the food that we're eating and the quality of the lives of the people who are producing that food ends up having an effect on the body, right? Nutrition, what you absorb, how the land is cared for. You know, this is generations, you know, what we're priming people to learn now is like how these cycles move through time. That's another, it's going to be referenced to flow <laughs> through this whole session, I think. And then, but then on top of that, so I love, you have this organic roots right down to the farmer's market and then high tech, the build black app. And I'm starting to see people hype it already on social media. 
I've seen it on Facebook a lot more, but I just saw it on Instagram every day this past week, somebody hyping it. And I was like, yes. And then the Made with Melanin campaign, would you tell us a little bit more about those two? I know it's a lot. We have so many things (laughs) I want to ask you about today. (laughs) Yeah. The Build Black, it's kind of in line, right? So our client, Sierra Health Foundation, which has been a beautiful partner for like the last six years or so, just entrusted us to launched this app and you know they had this idea to have a directory of black owned businesses and people of color owned businesses in this app where you know you could go to and see things that you traditionally don't see right like if you don't see an architect that's black or a person of color like you can find them there on the app so that was the idea right it's like okay how do we launch this idea in this way that is very impactful, right? And so we got together as a team and we said, well, what if we launch it during Black History Month and we make it as part of the foundation of the app, but then how do we show building Black in actual real time? And that's truly where the Made with Melanin campaign came in, right? It was, there's this app and this is, you can download the app, but let's in real time show how when you come together with black creators and people of color creators, we can actually make something that's very impactful. That's not just history. And that's one of those things to me, like, you know, February is not just black history month. It's actually just another month, right? Where we can show our excellence, right? And so with the made with melanin campaign, it's full circle. So it's a concept store. So on the corner of 35th and Broadway, you can come to the store and see this is how we create and make things with melanin. And it's our artistic interpretation of what that means to us, right? And so we collaborated with artists. And so we teamed up with the Black Artist Fund and Faith McKinney over there. And we said, hey, let's get some Black artists in here to do their interpretation of made with melanin and what melanin means to them. And so they started to create the art. And then our team on the back end said, okay, like how do we make things with melanin and have this conversation, right? Of like, we're all connected through our melanin, right? And that's one of the things that America got wrong. And that's the space that we've been sitting in a lot lately since the pandemic and having those conversations as a team of like, this structure that we've existed in for so long is actually broken and we're seeing it break in front of us. The world literally is stopped and these are the things that we should be learning. And so, you know, we're taking all of these different pieces of these structures and it's like, yeah, America got it wrong about race, right? It's a man-made structure that we're seeing is falling down. But truly, if you step back and look at the big picture, we're all made with melanin. From the lightest pigment person to the darkest pigment person, we all have a sense of melanin. And that should be celebrated, not segregated. Mm. And so that's the idea with the Made with Melanin campaign and the concept store. And, you know, we teamed up with artists. And I'm not talking about just like the visual artists, but dancers. And so we gave this concept to these dancers and we said, hey, create a dance based on this idea. Right. And so they created a dance and we used that as a video to launch the campaign. So people can check that out on our Instagram. And then we did 
beautiful images that were made by a black photographer. We used a black designer to create all of the design and then we infused technology inside of there, inside of the space. And so we're using projection mapping. We're using NFC tagging so people can walk past the window and tap their phone to the window and purchase some of the art that's inside. So it was the solution too to like what's going on with the pandemic too, being very mindful of it. We don't want a lot of people in our space right now because we're trying to stay in this healthy space. But we also understand that commerce and business has to continue. So how do we innovate that? And it's like, well, yeah, let's use technology. So truly people can walk up to 35th and Broadway and not come in and experience the space from the outside of the space. Right. And so it's all of those different things that we always talk about and continue to build on. But that's where it came from. It's this building black in real time that's based off this foundation of the app. And that was just our interpretation of it. And, and that's more and more what we're going to be doing here in the future or now in the future. It's gorgeous. The video was the first thing that I saw online. It moved me to tears just I'm like, what is this? Like, it was all the things, all the things that you talked about. And then the photography, of course. And I love how it's so designs of the clothing for those of you who haven't seen it yet. Very modern, very current, very urban. But then there's these beautiful flowers, like the whole layout of it is just, I couldn't ask for a better campaign if it was (laughs) my, my clothing line. But yeah, that video is something else. So I'm really excited to experience that. I'm definitely going to be picking up a few pieces from that line and recommending it to people. And hopefully it's cool with you if we put it out on Instagram and Facebook and all our channels for the podcast. I'd love for people to see these visual representations of of a movement, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, this is more than just t-shirts and an app. This is the culmination of a lot of years of work and it's incredible. And speaking of social media, I know in addition to all the contract stuff that you went through last year, your social media accounts, which had significant followings and connections were hacked and you had to start from absolute scratch, rebuilding not just your business brand, but your personal ones. But then the spiritual homie climbed to like over 14,000 followers in a record period of time. What did you learn from that hack and to what do you attribute such a swift rise in your connections again? I have a few ideas, but I'd love to know what you think. (laughs) You know, my mom used to tell me this story about my grandmother and that all of her family recipes that she cooked, she didn't do it with recipes. It was just pure, whatever that word is, it's just like it was innate in her. And the way that they passed down the tradition of those recipes wasn't the writing, it was actually doing. And so she tells me the story of how she learned how to make mac and cheese, how she learned how to make greens, how she learned how to make all of those different family recipes that we have was through pouring it out and doing it. And so they would bake a cake, make the cake, and then once they made the cake, they pour it out and do it again. And then they would do that again. And again and again, and so my mom knew how to make the cake, right? And so that's the state I just went into when I woke up that Sunday morning and saw that all the accounts were hacked. You know, I woke up that morning, got on, and just like, whoa, how come I can't log into my Facebook? Okay, got it. Oh, 
and Townspin hacked, okay, well, I'm not even going to trip off it. Went into Instagram and then it's like, oh, you're logged out. And I was like, what? And then I went into our business ones. I couldn't get in there. And it was just like, oh, what's going on? And instead of going into freak out mode, I just went into pause mode, right? And it's like, okay, what is this supposed to be teaching me? And I always go through that, right? Like I always say, what am I supposed to be learning here? And once I realized, calming down, I'm like, okay, let's do our due diligence. And I tried to contact Facebook and say, like, hey, I'm a business owner. Like, I got my business stages taken down. Really don't care about my personal as much, but if I can just get my businesses back. But it was just sending them out into the ether, I felt like. And it was like, okay, what is the lesson here? And truly the lesson was to pour it out and do it again. You know, you've had these accounts since 2012. You know, there's probably people on there that have followed you and just don't engage anymore, probably aren't even on social, you know, on Instagram, but have their account still there. And so it may look like a big number, like 12,000, but you might only be engaging with 100 people, like pour it out and do it again. And that was the message that just kept coming up to me was like, like, pour it out and do it again and now do it better. You know, like do all the things that you've learned since you started that first account now Let's try to do it again and do it better. And that's where the spiritual homie came in. It's like on social, I think what I call it is my ego death. It's like I had my ego death on social, which is like, okay, Roshan Davis on social media, I had so much tied to me and just like, hey, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look at this. Look at this. I'm speaking here. I'm doing this thing. And I never really wanted it to be that, but that was just the game that we all get caught up in, showing just the highlights of life, right? And so taking that away was just like, you know what? This is actually a beautiful thing. It's not, it's not a bad thing. You get to start over. You get to pour it out and do it again. But now you get to do it with this education that you have. And truly, that's where Spiritual Homie came in. It's like, I want to play a bigger game. I want to be able to share these conversations that I have with a lot of different people or these pieces of a book that I read or this movie line that I heard or people walking past and I pick something up from them. It's just a documentation of things that I've heard or I've heard people say or any of the senses I just write it down and then I share it out and I just say like, hey, the homie said, but I think the last one I posted was, it's easy to say yes, but the ultimate power is saying no to yourself, you know? And so it's like, when I hear things like that, it's like, oh, let me just post that up. And I think now more than ever, because of the pandemic, we're in this space where people are tuned in. And I think that's where that swift rise and that swift connection came in is like people were ready for it at that time. You know, we're ready to have this evolution of, I just call it emotional intelligence, but like truly tapping into yourself. And so then you look around and you see somebody who's doing that work too. Then you found your community. And that's truly like what I'm learning is like, that's my community online. And I've already been building community offline in this other way. So let's just, move it online but that's part of the pouring it out and doing it again too so i love that line the pouring it out and doing it again like Mm -hmm. we could say that 50 times in this (laughs) in this session and in this life because it is the lesson that we keep learning over and over again right like how do we begin again each morning how do we begin again after every meditation in my practice as a yoga teacher as a yoga practitioner we talk about the power of shavasana and corpse pose and people get freaked out by the idea of corpse pose, well, no, this is just your chance to emerge into 
something else when you come out. I'm pretty sure you have a regular meditation practice because I know that's something you used to talk about on your previous accounts. Just like I was in meditation, I got this download and I'm pretty sure some of the spiritual homie posts come from that as well. Is that true? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then what I've been trying to do more and more lately is I, I get more in tune with myself is actually I have like a section of downloads up at the top of the page and I'll just continue to like add to them just when I get those really, really impactful downloads. But the regular ones, I've learned to, when I have the conversations, I'll tag the person. So it's like when I have the conversation with someone, I'll tag them. And then if it just comes directly from a download, I just don't tag anybody. And that's how you know. Okay. I'm just pulling it up here. So for everyone who's not already following Roshan, it's the spiritual homie and homie is spelled H-O-M-I-E on Instagram. And so you can get with him on there and have a look at the posts that it looks like you pretty much post almost every day, pretty regularly. And yeah, really valuable stuff in there. I know we've all seen quotes and inspirational things on Instagram. This is something different. This is from a real person who's experiencing these conversations in everyday life, having these downloads from meditation. So for those of you particularly who are students in the yoga community or teachers, you're going to find this of great value, but I think everybody will. You don't have to be a yogi to be able to appreciate the spiritual homie. I wanted to kind of shift the conversation a little bit. You brought it up initially when I asked to describe who you are to people And one of the things I remember so clearly from your talk at Creative Mornings was that you spoke so lovingly and genuinely about your partner and wife, Maritza, and how this, I'm just curious how this past year of challenges has impacted your relationship, your family, you know, knowing you're a husband, you're a father. How are y'all doing? (laughs) Every day we just flow like water, you know? (laughs) Some days it's, you know, we're on a raft with margarita in our hand and things are kicked back, you know, and our legs are kicked up on the raft and we're just going. And then some days it's like a Russian river where it's just like flowing and we're falling all over underwater. And, you know, it's just like, again, kind of like going with the flow, you know, but it's been an adjustment to always be around each other again because you know when we first started our company we were always around each other but we would be able to disconnect and go to the office and I think you know it's all of us who are working at home I was on a call with uh, Sac State yesterday and we were talking about first space second space and third space and it's this idea where you know your first space is your home your second space is work and then third space is like coffee shops and events and things like that where after the pandemic it's like all of those spaces are kind of like one space and so that's been an issue and I don't necessarily say an issue but just a challenge that we've all had to like go through especially if we have three boys rambunctious boys very rambunctious and I think the younger they get the more rambunctious they are And so, you know, there's that. And then, you know, there's parts of you're trying to do all of these things like work on yourself, work on a relationship, work on a family all together. So I think, you know, there's just a lot there, but I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. For her, she's been going through what she's going through of learning, like, all right, I have to tap into myself. And so that's been a beautiful thing to see too. 
So it's cool to like wake up some days and see either I'm meditating or she's meditating or sometimes the boys will sit and meditate with us. And so it's like all of these different things happening inside this one house are beautiful, you know, it's, but it's part of that flow too. It's understanding like that flow is truly not just in yoga, it's in every faucet of your life. So. It makes me incredibly happy to hear that that happens through your whole household. And as you say, not every day is going to be like perfect, you know, meditation day and everything's going to go smoothly. But that example that you're setting for your sons, you know, for them to see that and then to want to join in. My, I have two daughters and they're older now, but when they were younger, that was my favorite part when they'd want to join in with yoga or meditation or have questions. And it's going to have a ripple effect out into the world as they grow and and learning from your positive example of a way to get in tune with yourself rather than lashing out, you know, just as one example for a young child to learn, which is so hard when they're dealing with emotions and they're young. So that's beautiful. When you and Maritza spoke at TEDx here in Sacramento a few years ago, I watched the video on your website and I loved how the focus was about how you show love to your city and featured one of your transformational warehouse projects. So I moved here about the time that you two were on that stage. And it was in large part because I could see even from a distance that amazing, loving and creative things were happening in this town. And I just couldn't ignore it. So what have you seen kind of in the arc of your experience living in and promoting love for the city? And what advice would you offer to someone who's listening who might be looking for a way to take part, to pitch in, to develop their own project, you know, wherever they live, whether they're in Sacramento or elsewhere? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that you have to date and learn to love the place that you are. I think at that point, when you saw us speak, we were head over heels in love with Sacramento. But it was a journey to get there. You really have to date your city and you have to date your town and date your place and really look at it from that loving standpoint. Yeah, like, this is amazing. Okay, cool. Let's go walk on the river and go on that river walk if you're in Sacramento. This is is good. Not everybody has this. Oh, this is an asset. Oh, okay, cool. You know, and that goes in so many different areas too, whether it's food or music or art or fashion or organizations. Like there's so many different things that make up a community that when you look at it through this lens of love, you'll really start to appreciate it more and more and more. And then it's just like anything else. When you fall in love with something, you want everyone to know like you're in love, right? And you want everybody to know this thing. It's like, this is actually amazing. You should know, you know? And so that's truly... When you can move into that space of love for something, that's when it goes beyond you and you're able to easily tap your projects or whatever you're working on into that flow of love as well. And so that's what I would say is just go out and date your city and look at it with a new lens. Because when you grow up somewhere, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, ah, I don't get out of here. It doesn't matter where you are, right? There's people like I have conversations with in New York, New York City, like, and they're just like, you don't, you would, you wouldn't want to live here. And I'm like, no, I love New York. Or, you know, Miami, I've been to Miami. I was like, that's my place. And they're like, yeah. But it's truly that they have fallen out of love with their city because they've been there for so long. And I think that happens to all of us, whether the biggest city or the smallest city. And so 
to look at it through these loving eyes, you learn to fall in love with it. That is beautiful. I'm one of those people I've moved so much and I now could be nostalgic for a lot of the places I grew up for the certain parts of it, but date your city. So wherever you are, listeners, if you're happy or even unhappy where you are, I'd even say if you're unhappy where you are, you need to do it more <laughs> to find yeah. out right, what you need to do to love where you're at. Because that's part of this process of beginning again, whether it's each day, each week, a new job, finding a new way to look at the situation that you're mm-hmm. in. So when I look at some of the things you've accomplished, Roshan, a few words really stand out to me as to why your approach to business and marketing has been so successful. And they are strong and authentic people-powered values that make business more than just, quotes, business as usual. So the words that come to mind are community, creativity, compassion, connection. Yes, they all start with the letter C, but (laughs) does this feel accurate to you? Or what else would you say are the markers of your approach and ones that maybe more of us need to learn? You know, I don't know what it is, but all of those resonate so much and they are with the C's, which is that's why I'm like, I don't know what it what is it with C words? <laughs> those are truly like those values, right? That I think one that I would add into is just collaboration. And one that I'm learning it's funny because it starts with the C too, is commerce too. And I think that would be a true picture of what it is that I do do as an agency too. It's just in that community, creativity, compassion, connection, collaboration, and commerce. And that's one that I've learned over the last couple of years to really be comfortable with. And coolness. I don't know. That's another C word. It was for so long, we just wanted to do some cool stuff for the city and show that we were cool. And then it wasn't until about two years ago that I was like, wait a minute, hold on. You know, people would tell me how much they would make from like an event that we do and ask us to do more because that's the places that they made money. It's like, well, how much do you make? And like, oh, such and such. And I was like, wait, you make that much at an event? Hey, there's 150 other people here in the world. So then we started having those conversations, which is another C I would add in the conversation. We had those conversations and started to slowly say like, oh man, this community event brings in, if we calculate this by all of, you know, and started doing the math on it, it's like, whoa, we're generating over $10 million to the local economy. Wow, a year. Like, wow. Okay, like we can't be afraid of that commerce piece because it truly is where that sustainability comes in for a lot of these makers and designers and farmers and creatives and artists and entrepreneurs, like all of these different folks that we just collaborate with on a day-to-day basis. It's like, we're actually making a lot of money for these folks over the course of the year. So it's like, okay, we need to step into that a little bit more. So I would say commerce for sure. Yeah. I just thought of another one, cultivating capital, right? Oh, that yeah. Let's keep this season going. Oh, it's going. Oh. I can picture a slide already now. I'm going to go a little bit crazy with this. I mean, that's an important part, especially with artistry. I saw a slide yesterday where people were talking about essential, non-essential workers. And one of them, they're saying, so the most essential workers, and it's different in terms of the pandemic. However, 
The second slide was about the least essential worker, and it was an artist. And then they dissected the whole slide and said, first of all, an artist created this infographic for you. <laughs> second of all, you know, and they went through this whole list of why everybody is essential. We're looking at it through a different lens now because of the pandemic, literally in terms of survival. But how all these things, you know, come together to make our world go around truly, truly. So that's amazing. I wanted to ask you a couple more questions. What is your yoga story kind of in a nutshell? I've, I've broken record for listeners on these days because I'm always talking about how yoga is not just about the physical postures, but that's how I entered yoga. Vinyasa, vinyasa, hot yoga. And now it's totally different. So I'm curious about how yoga is a part of your life now compared to when you first started practicing. So I know meditation is a big part. I don't know if you want to expand on that or anything else. <laughs> I have an interesting yoga story. I was introduced to yoga by my wife. And this was before we got married. She's like, hey, you want to go to yoga with me? And I was like, yeah, cool. I love you, so I'm going to go. And so went into a hot yoga studio and didn't know anything about anything about yoga. Just followed my heart and followed a girl into this yoga space. Hot yoga and very amateur. It was my first time, the first time. And we're doing, it's called vinyasa yoga, right? It's the hot. And so, yeah, we got in there. Things were cool. I was like, well, it's kind of hot. So then they started moving. And this was probably like an advanced class or like an intermediate class. It wasn't, it was not a first time yoga class. The instructor kept saying like, Get out of your head. Get into your body. Don't watch other people. Make this your own experience. You know, and I, I felt like he was talking directly to me at that point. But I'm trying to watch everybody as they're doing things and trying to follow them. And it got to the point where I got so hot that I had to walk off the mat. And I had to go outside. And I sat outside, outside of the studio because I felt like I was about to pass out. And I sat there cooling down. And... Everything that he was saying still stuck in my head. And it was a moment outside there that it clicked for me. And it was like, oh, got it. Like, this isn't about everyone else. This is about literally getting into yourself and learning to move inside of yourself. Oh. And so that was my introduction to yoga was like, got it. I see what's happening here, right? Like this is the physical manifestation of it is moving through these different poses. But when I went off the mat and went outside is when I got it. And I say that to say, I went back in and I finished the session and I was more comfortable inside that space of the yoga studio and moving. And I just literally didn't try and keep up with anybody else. And I got through it. But when I stepped off the mat and went outside and got that message, that download, that allowed me to continue that same idea and that same just space of being off of the mat, literally. And that's truly how I move through the world now. It's like, I don't worry about what other people are doing and how they're moving, if they're better than me or worse than me or gotten rid of all that and I feel like that has come from that one yoga experience was just like okay got it so while I'm not the yogi on the mat I feel like I have very much been in that space of being the yogi off of the mat and like experiencing how you can do this and, and apply these things in life 
and not worrying about if it's right or if it's wrong, if it's the perception of others or whatever it may be, just really getting into myself and doing what I know that I can do. So that's my yoga story. That's a phenomenal <laughs> yoga story that you could get that from one, from one practice. That, I mean, it takes many people a lifetime to have something even close to that kind of experience. So it's all your other practices combined. I'm sure that the way you live your life and blindly followed the woman you were in love with into that, just oh, like, I'll yeah. do this for you. And it ended up being, a, oh, I'm doing this for me. And you figured that out in one session. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Honestly, I just didn't want to be that hot anymore. So <laughs> like, you better learn this lesson right now. <laughs> because when you go back in there, it's hot, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that so many times. I'm a person who's always cold, as a lot of women are. And uh, so that's initially really attracted me to the hot yoga because I was yeah, like, I'm yeah. finally, finally warm. So I couldn't understand yeah. suffering <laughs> in that for a long time. That was a lesson I had to learn. And as we kind of move towards closing, I could literally talk to you all day. But I wanted to ask, in the scope of your whole life, What are, I initially wrote down three in my notes, but just some hard lessons or barriers, anything that you faced that you had to figure a way out of or through. And we've actually talked about a few of them today, but if there's anything else you wanted to share that you think would be valuable for listeners based on your experience. Yeah, I think one of the hardest lessons and barriers, I think, is truly tapping into your emotional intelligence, right? That is, to me, the hardest lesson is knowing that there's always going to be work to be done and there's always going to be work that will continue. So it's never ending. And that's a hard lesson to learn in itself because I feel like we want to be in this space and I've had to learn to grow out of this space where it's like, I learned it and now it's finally over. Like, can I just exist in this space of just comfort and just riches and abundance, like whatever it is, and not have to go through these lessons? And it's like, nah, we have to go through some lessons and learn some things and then apply the things and then things will be good. And then you'll go through some things, learn some hard lessons and then apply some things, and then things will be good. And then that becomes the cycle. But that's a hard lesson to learn because innately we just want to learn it and get it done and face it with flying colors, you know? And so that is truly like one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn. And then that's also the barrier too that keeps people from expanding and evolving, right? It's not just a one-time thing. Evolution is continuous. It's constant. It's always progressing. We're always at the leading edge of the universe, you know? And so to be there and understand that the only barrier between you tapping into that energy and being in that space of just like literally and figuratively the edge of the universe in that creation space is you have to break those barriers and those barriers are in your mind. Regardless of what you learn growing up, regardless of what you learned growing up and what you've been taught by whoever you learned it from, those are things that you have to break down and that you have accepted that might not always be true and, and those barriers all exist in your mind. And so the more that you can 
go inside yourself and sit with yourself and learn those lessons and dabble with those ideas and choose what serves you and what doesn't serve you, what serves your community and doesn't serve your community, what serves the, the world and what doesn't serve the world. You have to do that inside. And I think that's one of those barriers that are constant is just this go, go, goness of life that we kind of fall into. And so that's why the practice for me of meditation is so important because it is truly that pause to what's happening in the outside world to really understand the only reason everything's happening in the outside world is because of what's going on inside the world. And that's a barrier that you have to like work through. It doesn't just come along. It's something that you just really have to be in tune with. So I think that's the hardest lesson I learned is like, dang, there's still more lessons to learn. I feel like I've been through a lot. Can it just be easy? It's like, it is once you really understand that you'll have to learn some more lessons. It's like, oh, got it. Then it becomes really easy because I'm not looking for it to be over. I'm just moving through and learning. All right, cool. This is coming up. Got it. Let's go. Bam, hits me. Okay, cool. What am I supposed to learn from that? Got it, learn, and move around it. And that's that flow. It's like, all right, learn that lesson, move around it, keep flowing. Now I know not to flow in that direction anymore. Okay, cool, keep going downstream, you know. So that's it. That's a beautiful extrapolation from life about how we progress. I read something from a psychologist a little while ago that said basically everything that holds humanity back is the fear of pain. So it's the fear of emotional, physical. You've said it so perfectly, so I don't want to drone on about it, but we don't want to experience pain on any way, level, shape, or form. It's inevitable. It is inevitable to a greater or lesser degree for our entirety of life. And once we can accept that, sit with that and move on from that and learn the lesson from that, thank you. Thank you for that beautiful, really an arc of what we're all going through, regardless of our personal experience. We all share that fear of pain and just learning to get the lesson from whatever is so painful at that moment and moving on because things will get better. We know that too, right? <laughs> There's the ebbs and flows and dips and valleys. So Roshan, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and offering up yourself, your wisdom, your business, your family. There's so much we can learn from you and be thankful for. And I know I am incredibly grateful. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate this moment in time and just for the work that you continue to do and and for the form that you've created. Just there's so much that flows through you and flows to other people. So I just, I appreciate you allowing me to be in that space and flow with you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Maya listeners, please stay on. We're going to close out now, but you're going to be hearing the sound of Giovanni Moran's new single. It's called Keep It Coming. It's available on iTunes, Amazon, and Spotify for streaming and download. You may recall the last time we had him on, I think he sounds a little bit like Prince, who you all know is one of my favorite musicians of all time. And until next time, I want to encourage you to keep listening closely, expanding exponentially, because it's always a good time for your mind to be on the mat. Everybody's talking.